Hello. Hello. Are you in a creepy cemetery? Um, I have brought us to Thurber, Texas Cemetery. Oh, nice. Since we're talking about a movie that takes place in Thurber, Texas. Oh, you're using your Michael Myers mug. I'm using my Michael Myers mug. I'm opening my Coke Zero. I, uh, that's it. fantastic. I'm, I'm still at the I need coffee phase of my morning. <laughs> I don't know why I woke up like so early this morning. Did you? I I went the other way. I uh, just kind of dragged myself out of bed around eleven or so. That's okay. But I was up late. So you ever like get on one of these things and you go, "Oh, I'm going to be on Zoom," and you comb your hair or whatever, whatever, and then you get on and you go, "Man, I'm hideous." Why is every? (laughs) Yeah, I'm convinced because you know I'm still teaching on Zoom. This is my last week. I'm convinced my students have reached the like this person looks insane. Like who is this insane man that they're paying to teach us? Right. Who just looks just like he's deteriorating before our eyes. Yeah, I'm like some some days I'm like yeah, like hag achievement unlocked. <laughs> It's um, like, it, it's who gives a shit? It's 2020. It. It's still 2020, Chris. I'm not making commercials. No. I, don't need to, I don't need to be pretty for anyone. No one's going to see this until we're super famous and they right. pick up our video archives and then they cancel us for whatever reason. Oh, so many reasons. <laughs> so many reasons. So um, many reasons you and I could get canceled. And quite frankly, I'm ready for it yeah. because I'm so tired. It'll be a nice retirement. It'll be a nice re- <laughs> Yeah, it'll be a nice retirement. Um, I was um, I was a guest on a podcast the other day that I'm going to plug here real quick. Great. Um, our friends, Maddie and Holden and John, who worked mm-hmm. on Final Dress, the movie. The movie. Have a podcast that we are single-handedly responsible for. I, I mean, we introduced all these people. Um, yeah. If, if two of them, I'm not going to name names, were to eventually, I don't know, get married or something, I feel like we should be guests right. of honor, at least. If two people, I'm not going to name names, <laughs> eventually get married, don't you think those two people would make the most beautiful children? The Those people's, those two people's children would rule the world. <laughs> but I'm not going to assume that people want children now. No. Don't make assumptions, Michael. That's the truth. Um, That's the truth. Anyway, so I was on this podcast called Uns... Uh, uh, Unessential, the unessential movie, Unseen Supreme, the unessential movie podcast. Okay. What they do is they suggest movies. One person will suggest a movie to the other two that the other two have not seen. And then the other two have to go watch it. And then they have a discussion about it. And they were having a discussion about Karate Kid. Great. And um, of course, the youth had questions about it. Sure, because they are. John is of a different generation than than Matt. John's close, close. I think John's a little. Yeah, John's closer to us a little bit. Uh, Maddie and Holden are in their twenties, I assume. Right, they're millennials. They're Um, like the end of the millennials. So Uh, anyway, I sounded super smart talking about eighties movies. Uh, So I'm just gonna plug that. Great. Yeah, go check it out. Um, And I I saw John's setup, and I'm I'm uh, I'm jealous. Oh my God. Well, that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. I think we just need to up our game, man. Yeah. We need to like, because I super look forward to this all the time. And I know that you and I have been taking prolonged breaks from doing it for life reasons. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, 
You, yeah, we need to. We're gonna like step it up. I've got, step it up. I've got ideas, Michael. Great, I'm 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 up for it. And speaking of of John and and Maddie and Holden, um, especially John, don't want to you know don't want to tease anything too soon. But John, uh, as our director of photography and editor on um, Final Dress, the movie, the movie has uh, has the makings of a pretty badass trailer that. Hopefully soon, very soon, we will we will be able to show the people. I cannot wait. This trailer is so cool. Like, even if we just... No, this is a lie. I was going to say, even if we just showed the trailer, I'll be happy. But that's <laughs> a lie. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the movie. But yeah, but I'm also really excited to be, to be close to being able to start even getting the trailer out there and yeah. show people that... So I, much work. So much good work. Yeah. So many people put into this movie... And I just want to show them and the world that it's, you know, it yeah. looks like a movie, man. It looks like, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> so hopefully we will be able to share that soon. There are, you know, some things that still need to happen and blah, blah, blah. But but that is that is coming, people. Right. Um, have you eaten tacos? I have not, but close. Last night I had a delicious uh, burrito delivered from El Vecino. Oh, my gosh. It was really so good. fucking good. <laughs> That sounds really good. And then Aspen, making the right move, also ordered um, just like a side of tortillas. Uh-huh. Uh, so this morning, just rocked a tortilla and butter. <laughs> Dude, that is so the best. That like tortilla and butter is so comfort food for me. It's it's the perfect, you can anytime, doesn't matter, day, night, morning, it's the perfect, it's the perfect dish. It is the perfect snack. It's so good. And when when I was little... I'm sure I've mentioned this before. Um, I'd come home from school, like, uh, it, usually like on a coldish day. Uh, warm days were like something different. But like the after school snack that my mom would have for us would be like the homemade flour tortilla with butter and apple butter. Oh, man. That oh, sounds so good. So good. So good. And my grandfather used to have um, a flour tortilla with a Hershey bar in it. What? Whoa. He used to put like pieces of Hershey bar. In a flour tortilla. In a, in a warm flour tortilla. So the chocolate would just kind of melt. That sounds incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time I was like, oh my God, that's like too much. But you know, now you can use Nutella. Sure. Yeah. If you, you want to. You can make... put anything in a tortilla. Dessert, <laughs> savory. It'll be delicious. Jam. And... It's going to be great. Except spiders. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Tim Johnson. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, you know, we can't deny this because this is in Mexico. No, I, th- look, th- these, the people who are putting, because for those who I mean, obviously don't know, uh, our friend Tim Johnson, who I think finds great joy in horrifying us, yes, um, sent us video of, of people in Mexico putting, I mean, huge fucking spiders, uh, cooking them and eating them in tortillas. And told us we need to try it for the show. And no, hey, I'm I am not one, obviously, to knock their cuisine or their right. But I do not have. There's not enough money, Christy. Oh no, me neither. There's not enough sponsorship. Like I would quit <laughs> the show today yeah. if someone said you have to. No, and it's like my people have been eating bugs for centuries. Like 
seriously. Uh, And like not roaches or shit like that, but like grasshoppers and other, you know, like grubby things, you know, Um, you can get grasshoppers in the markets in Mexico dredged in Chile. You can get them like all, you know, all sorts of ways. Chapulines is what they're called. And some people say they're delicious because it's like all protein or whatever. You Uh know, these grasshoppers have been eating like corn and grain like all day. So I imagine that they taste like corn or vegetation or whatever. I'm not interested. No, but hey, to each his own. But when I saw that video of that giant fucking tarantula in a corn tortilla, I was like, face, man, that's it. No, get the fuck out. <laughs> and then he's all like, well, it's like seafood. And I'm like, fuck off. That like, makes it worse for me. That makes it worse. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that spiders are related to crabs. No, they all look like Geiger aliens. I'm not eating it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, um, so that's out. That's out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, burrito, delicious. Tortillas, delicious. Um how you how was your thanksgiving we haven't really talked much since because we oh oh this is what i wanted this is actually what i wanted to tell you i mean our thanksgiving was great it was small it was just me and john and the kids nice um and um yeah we just i you know usually i go straight to the pie but this year was different and i just i felt like making like the traditional meal so i made the traditional meal and then made a pie afterwards uh, but then this is what I wanted to talk about for the show. I had some uh, flour tortillas in the refrigerator that are raw. I buy them raw. Okay. And then you can put them on the griddle and, and, and they're just, it's just tastes fresher. It's delicious. I don't make the dough. I'm not good at it, but I do buy them raw and okay. cook them. Um, and so I was like looking around for a snack the day, the next day. And I thought, Hmm. So I took a bunch of leftover turkey and stuffing and some gravy and cranberry and like mixed it all up, just mixed it all up and put it in a raw tortilla and crimped it and then fried it. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And I made a a Thanksgiving empanadas. Fried Thanksgiving. That is so good. Yeah. I and I, I actually it was so good that Dante made me promise to go to the store and get more Thanksgiving things just so I could make, make it again. more empanadas. Yeah. That, that sounds delicious. Yeah. I may have discovered my Texas State Fair entry. I mean, the fried food. This is for real. Um, Christy Bella, copyright. Nobody steal it from yeah, me. Yeah, we, we will be filing right after this. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, cool. So uh, we today, you know, we, last time we, our last episode, which was only a couple weeks ago, but feels like eight years ago, mm-hmm. we kind of mentioned like, hey, we're a little actually overwhelmed by all of the horror we're watching. And we're also sort of kind of, both of us have resorted to watching things that make us comfortable. So we're watching a lot of horror that we're familiar with. So we asked, we asked the people if they had a suggestion to let us know. And my friend Katie, uh, Katie Slaby Elliott, who was a really good friend of mine when I lived in Chicago, and Katie and I sadly have not seen each other in years, but still keep in touch on the social medias. Yep. Katie uh, messaged me and said, hey, uh, y'all should check out The Dark and the Wicked. Um, She really liked it and wanted to hear what we thought. And then um, she has no real connection to Texas, but she said she knows we do. And she said, and it takes place in Texas. So I thought that would be even 
something else for you guys. Yeah. Uh, I think so- I sold an apron to Katie years ago. Oh, cool. That's yeah. uh, she's a, she's awesome. Um, yeah. So thank you, Katie. And I, I'm really glad that she told us to watch this movie. Oh my gosh. The, 20s, the dark and the wicked. Um, Cause I kind I I loved it. I'm not, I loved it too. And it. I have so much to say about it. I made notes. Great. I did. As well. I have, yeah. I have some questions for you. So first of all, the dark and the wicked uh, written and directed by Brian, um, Bertino. Bertino, who is from Colleyville, Texas. Yeah. Go, yeah. Go, go, go Colleyville, man. Go Colleyville, Texas. And he is he is the writer and director of The Strangers. Yeah, that's uh, quite a pedigree. <laughs> right. And he produced uh, Black Coat's Daughter. Man, th- I... Good. And, and it's like both of those predecessors are all over this movie, but in like in a good way, not yeah. in, not in a I mean, like this guy knows what he's doing and he is definitely has a style mm-hmm. that I, I I'm not even I would not be remiss to say that like years from now, like in decades, people are like the way people reference, say, Ari Aster or whatever. Right. We, we will be referencing this guy. Uh, yes, I agree. And I think you and I have both stated at different times on different episodes and even on a guest spot we did on a different podcast. The Strangers is to me in the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years or whatever. Um one of the most horrifying films I've ever watched. Yeah, I that's a movie I can't just put on the strangers no. for fun. Like um, not, I, not even, not even like, you know, the innkeepers is one of the ones that is also terrifying, but I'll watch the innkeepers for fun. Sure. And I think the innkeepers, you, you have a solid 50 or 60 minutes that you're just kind of watching a really good movie. Indie. Yeah. Excuse me. The strangers is terrifying after like the first six minutes of the film. From beginning to end. And is, is relentless. Um, yeah. It is you know, on the list of movies Aspen Taylor will never watch again. Right. Um, And not for bad reasons. Like she thinks, and again, you know, she doesn't, there's a lot of horror that Aspen doesn't like. She thinks The Strangers is a really great movie and she will never watch it again. Yeah, John will never watch it again because John already has a thing about home invasion. So does Aspen. Yeah, and he, he was, he doesn't ever want to watch it again. And yeah, that movie is one of the ones where it's like, and it's, it's the same thing with this one. I was reading some reviews for uh, The Dark and the Wicked, and I can't, I should have taken notes, but one one uh, critic, you know, talks about how people call it a slow burn, mm-hmm. but it's not really a slow burn. It's more like a, like a cold burn. It's, <laughs> it's, and it, that for some reason that just seems so apt. It's, yeah, that's a great phrase for, yeah, for this. It's because it's like, chilling from from the very beginning from the very beginning and then about eight to ten minutes into the movie an event happens and and then and then that's it about eight to ten minutes into the movie you will see one of the most effective and horrifying images ever Ever. captured on film i i I know i have a tendency towards hyper no 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 I was watching this like in the middle of the fucking day. 
mm-hmm. when we got to that, when I got to that scene, I, I first I was like, this is brilliant. Second, I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm, right. And, I'm, and I'm he sets you like he sets you up for it. Yeah. He sets you up for it. Like it's Chekhov's gun, right? Like you yeah. see something happening and you go, okay, something's gonna happen with that later. Sure. But you were not expecting it like in two minutes later. No. You know? No, and he were, sets you up for it and you know it's coming. You know it's coming and 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 he he uh stretches out the moment you know it's coming oh, the perfect length to make it almost unbearable. Yeah. Yeah, and at the same time like you're watching yeah. like I cannot believe I cannot the look thing away. I'm watching. I yeah. can't believe the thing I'm watching. Um, no, it's yeah, the 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 setup everything is is so Good. Where do you want to start? Do you so want to I mean, get the synopsis or? Sorry, what? I, I want to talk a little bit about the setup of the movie, but I don't want to give no away. Okay, great. So yeah, you want to just do like very basic yes. plot. So this movie takes place in Thurber, Texas, uh-huh. uh, out in a rural area on a ranch, on a goat, goat ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's an older couple who live on this ranch and this is like their homestead uh-huh. and the movie opens and um, it is a wife who is caring for her dying husband. Yes. Basically. And their two grown children come home yeah. to, uh, to help her. Right. Even though she said, don't come home. And she has said to them, I told you not to come. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe you should have listened to your fucking mom. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and then and then things go south uh-huh. real quick. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's all that's all I'm going to say. But, yeah. you know, we we might have spoilers a little bit later because we did tell people that we were going to watch this movie. Yeah. So we will get to a point where. But that uh, is the basic setup. And, yeah, that's and the just, basic setup. Um, it, it takes place. Um, I, I looked up like because it takes place in Thurber. He shot it, which is this is great. It, that ranch is his dad and stepmother's ranch. Mm-hmm. In a little town called Tolar, which uh-huh. I guess is actually probably not even really a town. <laughs> it's probably like the name of the road or something. Right. Um, which is is about 90 minutes southwest of Dallas. It's outside. We, got, of, we uh, gotta go. Yeah, we do need to go. It's outside because of Granbury. I've been doing some research. Just take a little trip. That's not far at all. Taylor, no, <laughs> it's not far at all. And there and and Thurber. I mean, like, I guess we can go to both or either or if my well, guess is Tolar is basically just like the ranch address. Is right. Sorry, uh, people of Tolar. I, I I don't know much about you. There is a like a haunted castle. There's like a castle. OK, cool. We got to do and, that. And the, the town is like on on the interwebs. It's like premier ghost town of Texas. Great. OK, we got to do that. We got um, so we got to go at some point. And him, uh, him being able to shoot on his family's ranch and his, his, I think it's his, I know it's his dad and I believe his stepmother, whatever, it doesn't matter, um, are the first people he thanks at the end. But I mean, it gives him such an incredible, real, like working set. Um, right. Th- th- there is, in my mind, for like the goat ranch, there's no, we're going to build on a backlot replacement for, for what he's actually able to shoot. Right. If, you know, from the beginning, you are in isolated and you, fe- you feel like you're in a real place. And I think that was really important. It feels story. real Texas. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
It, it really he, does. He catches that. He catches that um, because, you know, I mean, hey, in case you didn't know, Texas is big. <laughs> and right. um, if you live out in the country, then sometimes your closest neighbor could literally be 100,000 acres away. Yeah. And and I, I, I thought this to me is one of the movies, one of the best movies I've ever seen, regardless of genre, that captures that true sense of isolation. Right. And if you've ever driven through Texas, um, I mean, there are just vast swaths of land right. where there's like, like you said, there's like one family ranch. Yeah, there's nothing. Uh, I mean, on my way, you know, on the way home to Laredo, it's seven hours, mm-hmm. six if you're speeding, but it's really like seven and a half, maybe eight hours to get to Laredo. And you get to a point like from between here in San Antonio, there's a lot of little towns in between sure. that you pass. But once you get past San Antonio, uh, it's 155 miles of nothing. Nothing. Nothing I, in, I, in every direction. In every direction. And the, and the thing about the thing about the state is, I remember when we had Ian, the great Ian Ferguson on, mm-hmm. and Ian who grew up in Amarillo in the Panhandle, which is 6 hours the other way. Right. So essentially you and Ian grew up on opposite ends of the state. And it would be on a good day if you're speeding 12 to 13 hours yeah. drive between where y'all grew up. Right. And, and that's not even yeah. that's not even the top. No, no. Yeah. And, and I think if you go to Amarillo, if you go to the panhandle, you hit that that spot as well, where all mm-hmm. of a sudden there are no more towns. And then if you drive west to El Paso. Good um, Lord. I mean, you can drive for a day and you're still in Texas. You drive for a day and you're still in Texas. And once you get to a certain point, like west of like Midland, whoo. So it's, it's, it's like going crazy town. Yeah. And so the state is filled with, regardless of the region of the state you grow up in, it's filled with these like pockets that are just completely isolated. Yeah. And he gets that. He captures that from from the opening shot. And I thought he made a wise choice in that it weather wise, he makes it feel more like West Texas or the panhandle. Yeah. Um, Those places actually get cold, like legitimately cold. I know Ian makes fun of us all the time. When mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's 45, I'm freezing. He's like, fuck you, I grew up in the panhandle. Right. But but I do think that adds to it. it it's that that feeling of like, I'm on the ranch, the wind is blowing. It's yeah. Cold. And it's like a cold, like, like a cold burn. Like, yeah. you know, this movie also does, I have to look at my notes because there's like so much I, I want to talk about, but also ask. Yeah. So that's when my first note is that it's so Texas. Yeah. <laughs> it's so Texas. Uh, that feeling of loneliness, like you said. And he's from um, here. And I don't, I'm not saying someone else couldn't make a movie that captures Texas, but this dude knows his, knows the state. He understands yeah. it on a very real level. Yeah. And he grew up not, I mean, that's his parents' ranch and right. he grew up in a relatively small town. Like he knows, you know. Which brings me to like the second thing I wanted to talk about. Like sure. the thing, one of the things that I really love, I mean, I think it's important that it's his parents' ranch because one of the things that this reminded me, of, it does, it does that thing that really good horror movies do. Uh, 
kind of like the Babadook or, you know, whatever. That's that's the one that jumps into my head immediately. But where it it's it's attacking a few themes mm-hmm. at the same time. And if if you just want to take it straight as there is this thing that exists that is out there that wants to hurt you and it is a literal thing, mm-hmm. it totally works. Yeah. There's a totally. malevolent supernatural force. There's a malevolent supernatural totally. thing happening. Yeah. But the this movie hit me on a level that I was not expecting. And I'm going to talk about it, even though it's kind of personal. So here it comes. That if you are the adult child of parents who have passed away, it, it dealing with that thing of, of, of having not been there, of, of growing up and leaving the home that you grew up in, mm-hmm. and either the guilt of not wanting to go back, right? Right. Or... Or the guilt that one feels when you don't, you feel like you don't go back enough. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, And then on top of that, like not being there when your parent passes away or when they're sick or Mm -hmm. whatever. This movie like was a little too real to me. (laughs) Right. In in that sense, in in, um, grown up children and and their... um, psychosis or neurosis or or plain guilt yeah dealing with that that thing that's coming for all of us right you know but that some of us have already felt and are feeling um does that make sense a perfect sense and i i thought you know i have not obviously i haven't dealt with that but like thank goodness very very recently and and you know my my mom my mom is fine but you know she was sick pretty sick for for a bit and, yeah. and in the situation we're in right now, like I couldn't travel to see her and realize like, you know, my parents are getting old, man. Um, yeah. And I thought it, it hand, I thought that, yes, absolutely. And then on, in addition to that, I thought it handled aging in two ways, brilliantly aging into sort of becoming elderly. Right. Right. Uh, where we have the couple, the, the father is dying. The mother is still trying to take care of him, even though she's getting old. Um, and then, and then it, aging into middle age. Right. And there's one line between, cause it's about two siblings, right? A brother mm-hmm. and a sister uh, played brilliantly. I thought by oh my God. Marin Ireland and Michael Abbott Jr. We'll talk who, about that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Who are both uh, also really awesome stage actors. Um, there's a line when they're outside, like they step outside, she goes to have a cigarette and he sort of offhandedly says, are you still at the post office? And she says, no, not anymore. And it was just this little thing that was like, he, he doesn't even know where his sister works anymore. Right. And and you're led to believe that these two, they were probably quite close when they were children. There's so many hints of that. And, and, and now because he has a family and she of his own and she's dealing with whatever, he doesn't even really know what his sister. Well, and she, and she says, I'm sorry, I didn't call on. And you get the feeling that it's like the girl's birthdays or whatever. She like missed. There's there's so many lovely little hints as that tell you that they, they were close. They are close. They've just lost touch for whatever reason. Yeah. Like at the beginning, life. she she drives out to meet him where he is with the caretaker, Charlie of the ranch. Yeah. And, you know, they don't even like hug each other. They tease each other like siblings do. Right. She kicks him in the foot 
And then they're sitting, the first scene where they're sitting and having dinner with the mom, and it's kind of a close-up pushing in on, on Louise, on her. Mm-hmm. And you just see the brother's fork come in and start eating off her plate. Yeah. And she just kind of like, without saying anything, she just pushes her plate towards her brother. And you just kind of get this feeling of like closeness. Like that's how they grew up. Like right. he eats off her plate all the time. And sure, she it's, her, it's gives, her brother. <laughs> and she gives him her food that she's not going to finish. And right. like, I've seen my kids do that with each other. Isa yeah. and Dante, you know, who like tease each other or, you know. Yeah. I, have, their, have their own sibling language that even... I'm not familiar with. Right. And I I thought that was great. And at the same time, this idea that like, no, they're not as close as they were because, you know, he has a wife and kids of his own. She has whatever shit she's dealing with. Like you just, you can't be, you you know. Right. Um, And yet, and yet in what I, something I really appreciated about it though, was that when the shit starts to go down, they, he, the direct, well, because he directed it this way, but they don't do that bullshit thing where it's like, I'm not going to tell you what's going on. Right. You know, <laughs> that is such a trope in other horror movies where, that you and I hate. Right. That it's like, I'm, I've heard something in the attic, but I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm tell anyone. And then, no, they tell each other. Yeah. Like, they, they've not been close to each other for whatever reason, right? But when shit starts to go down, they do rely on each other. And I mean, yeah. And and it, it really does become about, I mean, they're kind of the only one the other has. Right. Um, another oh, and it's so sad because that comes back to them towards the end of the movie. Yeah. And I mean, it, it brings up questions of, man, so many questions. What, yeah. As a, as a middle-aged person, and I, I don't really know, I think they're in their 30s in real life, but they're, they're clearly approaching middle age. Yeah. But like what becomes... What is your priority? Like, right. Where it, where does your loyalty lie? Right. Because, and it's like, I've said this to my, I, I said it to my kids when they were little, when, you know, one time Isa and Dante were fighting, they were like, they must've been like eight and nine or seven. And I can't remember, but they were fighting and it's just two of them. And I turned to them like in my, as a young mom or as a mom or whatever, and you're trying to stop the fight or the argument, however you can. And I said to them, I was like, you guys better stop fighting. You guys fight too much. You better stop fighting because one of these days I'm going to be dead. (laughs) And you are the only thing the other one is going to have. Yeah. You're the only thing you've got. And they both kind of like, that might have not been my best mom moment, but I don't regret it. No. Because they both kind of stopped and were like, oh yeah. And in the movie, you know, she says to him, you're the only thing I've got. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, I think that's, that's a, you're right. I mean, and, and there are things you, yeah, like you said, they have their own little language. There are things you share with your sibling that you share, you with, no share one with else. Them. Yeah. And he says, he says, I love Becky. I love the girls. And it's just such a heartbreaking, it's a heartbreaking moment. I don't, right. don't want to give too much away, but it's such a heartbreaking moment because, you know, she says, how could you do it or whatever? Right. And he's like, because I knew that you wouldn't or something. Right. Oh, and at the same time, you know, like he does have a wife and his own children. <laughs> like, right. He has other shit he has to deal with. And, and, but then the twist on that. Oh God. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like terrifying, terrifying and heartbreaking. Yeah. The way it looks at like family loyalty and, and all of that. Another thing I really loved that he did, and this is one of the first things I wrote down, 
this takes place in a small town on a ranch in a small town in Texas, right? In the context of most horror movies, especially a, a quote unquote supernatural horror movie, people who live in this situation are almost always automatically religious zealots. Yes. And he completely undercuts that and makes them atheists. Yeah. And it was one of my, one of my favorite things that might not seem like a big deal, but I I loved that he did that because I, I, I love to see that. We never see that. You know? Yeah, we never see the, <laughs> the the rural folks in Texas who are non-believers or not churchgoers. Right. And I love it for two reasons, because it also the, I mean, there's a whole thing, you know, when they're talking about that, when they get to the point in the movie, when they're talking about religion and all that kind of stuff. And and the daughter, well, the kids tell the preacher played by Xander, what's his last name? Uh, Berkeley. Amazing. Yeah. And Xander Berkeley is like, he's a famous character actor. He's been working for decades. Yeah, he's been working for decades. He's he never quite became like a movie star. But when you see him, you go, oh, that guy's been in everything. Yeah, he's had a great and, career. And he's fucking incredible. In he's Lord, man. Like he's on screen for like 10 minutes. Yeah, and you're like, fuck that. Fucking yeah. crushes it. But there's a whole thing where they say to him, she didn't, she didn't believe. She didn't right. believe. She, they, they, she didn't go to church. She didn't believe in God. Mm-hmm. She didn't believe in the devil, whatever. And it's an incredible line. He he says, you think the wolf cares if you believe it's a wolf? Yeah. It It's, yep. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's like, and you know, there's a theme of wolves and you hear, well, sure. that was my one thing, but it didn't bother me too much. There are, there Wolves did exist in Texas at one time. There are no more. There are. There, there's no not a lot of wolves, wolves going on in Texas. Yeah, and, it's way and, more co- like coyote would have made way. Yeah. Yeah, but um, uh, but I didn't. That didn't bother. Like no. it didn't. It didn't make me go like. There's no wolves, there's no wolves in, Texas in Texas anymore. I hate this movie. Um, but I thought. I think that that is such a great line because I mean I don't know. It was just he just did that really great thing that. He just created dread, you know, and we've all been there. Even if you don't believe in anything. Right. We've all been to a place. We've all been in a situation. We've all been somewhere where there is this heavy, heavy feeling of impending doom. You just and you don't know what it is. And that's another thing that I appreciated about this movie is that they do talk about the devil. They do name the devil, but they never confirm. No, he, he never quite tells you exactly what this thing is. These no. people in this town, some of them right. in this area or whatever, they give it the name. They right. they name it devil because that's what they name. That's it. what they know. But it it never quite tells you no. exactly what it is. We, and I appreciated that so yeah, much. We do not get all the answers. And and I really like that. Um, I also like, there, there is, I think, kind of what you're with that wolf line, which is a great, uh-huh. um, I wrote down, I was like looking at connections between this and The Strangers. And I think they're very different movies, but they do have similar, some similar similarities, right? They both deal with isolation. But I, I wrote down, they also, they both deal with the inevitability of evil. This idea that whatever you believe or however secure you are in life, evil will come for you. Um, You don't know what form. It might be three crazy people who show up at your house or it might be this 
sort of existential darkness that we have in this, but it will come. It doesn't care what you think and there's nothing you can do. Yes. And, and yeah. I kind of love that. <laughs> I love it too, because there's this, there's the other, in that same scene that I'm talking about where he goes, you think the wolf cares if you believe it's a wolf. They, he has another line uh, where the, the, the brother goes, you need to leave. You need to get out. We've had enough, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, I tried to help. I helped her. And the brother's like, did you? And the priest says, she was afraid and she was alone. And I was there. Right. I came to help her. I, you know, and and he's like, were you really? Did you help her? And it's just, there's so much loaded in that line of like being afraid and Uh being alone and being left alone. And the thing that comes to help you is the thing that comes to help you. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what it is. Regardless like, of what it is. You can pray or you yeah. can ask or you cannot pray or you cannot ask. Something's going to come and help you. Yeah. And that is, I just love it because whether you think it is a malevolent outside present presence or whatever it is that comes to help you. Right. And I, it's that same thing, that same question that I always ponder when I watch movies like The Shining or Session 9, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, what is it? What is it? Right. And, and, you know, then, and then he goes one step further because the son goes, I think you've done enough. You've done enough. Yeah. And again, the priest says she was alone. I didn't do that. Right. You did this motherfucker. Right. Which yeah. totally turns it back on the children. Yeah. Saying I didn't leave her alone. Yeah. You, you did. did. You did. You left. Yeah. Um. So I'm, I came to help. Yeah. Because you weren't here. I, I right. Yeah. Which adds again to the layer of guilt that you were talking about. Um, I mean, there's so much going on. I don't want to say so much going on. It's not convoluted. There's so many good things happening. And then on top of that, I think uh-huh. the like visual language this dude uses. Oh, my God. Is, is That's one. stunning. Um, yeah. And I. You know, look, it's not a cheap movie, but this is by no means $150 million. I mean, he mm-hmm. he, he he does, he creates some haunting imagery, beautiful pictures. Um, and again, I don't want to say it's like super low budget, but but not with CGI, like a ton of like studio shit going on. Listen, I don't know how much those actors got paid. I, I have no idea. And not enough. Like Sandra Berkeley. Sandra Berkeley is clearly the star. And uh-huh. I mean like the, the cameo, the name, right? And he's clearly the person that got paid the most, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, for the yeah, they probably had him yeah, for but whatever they paid those actors, it was not enough. <laughs> because it it clearly this director, I th- I think that's where the money went, quite honestly. Like a, a great crew, of course, sure. a great editor, a great DP, but also like really not just casting anybody, like being very, very deliberate in yeah. the casting and making sure that these performers can carry off moments of stillness and moments of quiet and can can load those moments, can load those moments of, of quietness with like such a complex internal life that, I mean, it, they were just fabulous. They, they were I mean, so good. They really are. And so much responsibility in, in yeah. making the film work lies on their shoulders. Um, I, you know, I don't, I, I have seen, um, Marin Ireland was in the last season 
of Umbrella Academy, uh-huh. um, also playing a Texan. She's not a Texan, but she plays a Texan in Umbrella she Academy. a Texan. I totally believe it. Me too. Um, she was nominated for a Tony for Reasons to be Pretty. Oh. Uh, not super long ago. Um, but again, in the in the world of Hollywood, being nominated for a Tony for things, Reasons to be Pretty, like that's not... <laughs> You know. That Hollywood doesn't care. Who cares? I, I, I know which role she played. She played the role that I played, and that is a tough fucking role. I, I yeah, I mean, and it's not you know on the Broadway. Um, it's gotten so bogged down in celebrity casting that that for someone like un quote un, you know unknown or whatever to break out yeah. is a huge thing. I did. Right. See, I read an interesting article with um, one with Michael Abbott Jr. who plays Michael. Uh, and one with uh, Marin Ireland. And this is always really interesting to me. Um, they had played siblings in a different, in a small independent movie. And they only had one scene together in whatever movie that was. But they both said that that experience, they were able to sort of bring in and could get past a lot of like, you know, bullshit actor stuff. And right. they already had this sort of touchstone for this sibling relationship. Right. And I thought that was so, I don't know, just really sort of interesting and really smart. That, that shit works out. Yeah. Smart, sensitive yeah. actor, man. I mean, it's like they're, they're one. So, so you said something about like not naming the thing. And, <clears throat> and then you made mention of there's so much going on, but it's not convoluted. And I, I wanted to bring up the phone call. Dude. Um, <laughs> Dude. Because that phone call in the context of the whole movie, it, it could, it could have gone South and it could have not worked for the film Uh because there's like two seconds where you go, what, what? Yeah. And then you don't care. Right. And then you don't care. And so I watched it a few weeks ago, Mm. not a few weeks ago, last week. And then I, I wanted to watch it again right before we had the podcast. So, because I wanted it to be fresh in my head because I loved it so much. And so I woke up early this morning because I wake up early now for some reason, because time has no meaning. Time has no meaning. Sure. Yeah. So who cares? And so I woke up early and I made John watch it. I was like, we're going to watch this movie. Good morning. (laughs) First thing in the morning. Good morning. Um, And he was like this the whole time. Like once that event happens, he was, he was sitting up and um, he, we were talking about the phone call and uh, one of the things that he mentioned that I thought was interesting about this whole idea of evil and evil coming for you, whether you believe in it or not, whether mm-hmm. is that evil, whatever that is, and in this movie or in the world or whatever, makes you makes you an agent of evil and you don't even know it. <clears throat> That's a really you know? interesting point. Because there are, there are so many other places in the movie. Yeah. We're outside people who mean well. Yeah. You think, who knows, who knows. Right. Become agents of whatever is happening to the two siblings. And then she makes this phone call and it's like, what? Yeah. It's a, it's a weird, bizarre, creepy fucking moment. And I'm okay with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it, it didn't bother me at all. No, I, there, there, I mean, I, there to me, there's some joy in not fully understanding 
right? Yeah, because if that's you- that's much more terrifying. It's yes. part of why it's part of why The Shining and Session Nine both remain so terrifying to me. Yeah, and I th- and yes, the absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think you talk about The Shining. Um, I mean, for years, especially when I was younger, and I still don't fully understand everything, obviously. But to me, when I was younger watching The Shining, the sequence at the end, you know, where you just get, you know, the bear, furry or whatever, and all of those different things, that was to me some of the most horrifying stuff. And in this movie as well, like, if you are dealing with whatever the fuck this is, evil, darkness, the dark and the wicked, if you will. Yeah. Why would you... As a, a fucking mortal human being, um, fully be able to comprehend the power of something like that. Right. Um, I, I'm fine. And I think that phone call, uh, I know people are like, what is this makes no sense? What are you talking about? This phone call? You'll know when you watch. But I, I think that phone call just adds an element of you have no idea. You have no clue what you're fucking dealing with. Right. And you have like just like John said, that whatever this thing is makes you an agent of it. Yeah, you are working without you it. even without you, you even know. knowing or explaining it to yeah. you. It, it, it it's you have it's now so great. caused pain to some other person you don't even know <laughs> through right. no real fault of your own. Like it's right. I think it's I think it's great. Um, right. Um, I just like yeah. can't say enough about how what a nice nice might not be the word, uh, but like what a revelation this movie was. I guess for me, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, so that leads me to that's a great segue to uh, excellent. My question for you: Do you think we're old? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna say something, Christy. Unrelated to this movie, I watched the first five minutes of like a new sketch show on Netflix. Yeah. And I'm sure it's very funny. <laughs> it was so like um, overwhelming. I had to stop and I was like, oh my God, I am old. <laughs> Like yeah. I have, I have found a TV show that I'm just like, it's too loud. I don't understand what's happening. What is she saying in that song? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so why, <laughs> there's, why? A second, there's a second part to this question. <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you and I don't enjoy. Do you think that we would have understood one understood or enjoyed what this movie is doing if we were say 17 or 18 or even uh, 20 or 21 that that's a i think a great question um because not, it's not like you and i do not still enjoy halloween or scream right or I mean, like the babysitter wants to kill me which is on netflix sure. and it's absolutely great but this is different yeah and i think um this is not to say that there aren't teenagers out there who love horror love film i think there are some kids out there who would watch this and and appreciate things on a filmic level and stuff like that i don't want to totally ignore that right but i do think thematically this 
deals with things that I would hope for a 17-year-old or even someone in their early 20s has not even had to begin to think about. Um, there, There is something very much inherent in this movie about aging and right. about the guilt that comes along with aging, about the sense of loss that comes along with aging, the sense of, I'll just say it, like failure and or settling. Right. Um, and like, and, and realizing, realizing really that, that you can't name things like that, that as right. you age, hopefully, hopefully you learn that like the more you really know a lot less than you think you do. Yeah. And so I do think that, um, you know, I don't know what, what he set out to do, but I think you can even see in the time gap between The Strangers, which is also fucking, I think, brilliant and effective. That is, to me, a, a movie made by a younger man yeah. than, than this movie. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not saying something happened in his life. I, I don't know enough about the man. I just think he got older. And this is a, this is a movie made by a, an older man than the guy who made Strangers. Yeah. Um, I think the strangers works uh, across the board. It's, it's, it's very much a movie that could speak to, I think any age group, whereas this. Yeah. And you know, like one of the things that he says about the strangers um, and that, you know, and it's in the final line, the final line of the film where it's like, they did it because they can. Yeah. You were home. (laughs) There's no, that you were home. And it's almost like, well, from the perspective of those three killers, right. It's like, there's, when you're young, there are no consequences. Right. You know, you, or you think there aren't, right? Right. Um, you just do things because you do them. Sure. And what if, like, what if that was youth? You know, that. Right. Uh, and it's, it's, it's terrifying. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I was just thinking that this is like, this movie is so, I haven't used this word in, in recent memory to describe one of the horror movies that we've watched, but it's really elegant in that way. In that it's just an elegant, sophisticated horror movie that I think you have to have a little bit more life experience to fully get all the themes. Like you said, I also don't, I'm sure that there are very young people who like filmically would appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. But, but no, I, I I think you're right. I don't, this is not, yeah. I mean, thematically this, like I said, I, I hope some 17-year-old would not have to have remotely thought about this shit yet. So um, is, is this to you, is this, a, um, and this may be easy, this may be a stupid question. Do you think this is a ghost story or a devil story? Oh, man, is I don't think both? that is. Is it something else? I don't think that is an easy question. That's a great question. Um, I I mean, in, in terms of, of like, if we really had to be like subgenre, I would, God, I guess like literally I would lean towards devil story. But right. I mean, I think metaphorically and symbolically, right? Like this is a ghost story, right? This is everything about your fucking past. Right. Has, come to haunt you in this fucking moment. Right. Um, So I think he melds those two things so well. Uh And at the same time, he also is giving you just this like 
straight up psychological drama. Like it, I, yeah. I, I'm so impressed by what he because it also because yeah, it also could fall into the psychological thriller horror. Um, yeah, it, it just I mean, because it, it fucks with your brain. Like there, there are there are definite moments in the movie where I'm like, oh no, this is th- there is something supernatural happening. There is something like out there, and then there are there are times in the movie where I doubt that. Yeah, and I'm like, is We're there? Like everybody's out of their fucking mind. <laughs> like right, and off? it's. I love it. I love it when there when no one is reliable. Yeah, I thought that. And and yes, and I, another thing he does, and I, I feel like we're just well. Clearly, we both really like this movie. Um, yeah. He he uh, sort of like unleashes his. I'll just say special effects, if you will, purposefully. I mean, because there's not a ton. No. But when he uses those things, they are so effective. Yeah. Um, whether it's something simple or kind of like, there are a couple of pretty grand moments. Right. Really one very sort of grand moment, but it's used so well. Yes. It's not like some of those movies we watch where you're like, oh, this is scary. And then there's like shitty CGI ghost crawling out of the sink or whatever. Right. It's everything he does is purposeful and effective. Even right. with that little, that, that, that tiny little goat who, <laughs> who I, I know, I know. I was like, the, all I, okay, so I'm going to spoil something here. Uh, we managed not to spoil anything really, but I'm going to spoil something here. Um, I couldn't stop thinking, oh, I wonder if that goat is walking around with a little green sock. Yeah. On its leg. <laughs> <laughs> like, are they? Put a little green sock on that. <laughs> that little goat did the work. <laughs> Man, it was so adorable. Yeah. And again, hey man, cool on this on his parents for being like, yeah, man. Just use come, it. Come shoot on the ranch. Yeah. It was funny. I was talking to uh I think uh Jordan Fraker, uh-huh. uh, photographer extraordinaire Jordan Fraker, about it. He hadn't seen it. And I was thinking about because he is like clearly like a visual Jordan did our photos for the yes. But oh man, sorry. Uh but Jordan, clearly a visual guy as a photographer. I thought, hey man, there's some imagery in this you would like. Um, and I was telling him about the ranch. And then it led to like a discussion about uh, you know, my bloody Valentine and stuff like if your dad has a ranch, you shoot on the fucking ranch. Yes. If your mom owns a mine, you shoot in the fucking mine. Like right. I kind of like I love that aspect of this movie. Like, hey Pop, can I uh come shoot this crazy fucked up movie on your ranch for a few weeks? Sure, kid. <laughs> sure. Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. Your parents want to help you. Yeah. So I I um yeah, I thought that was uh was great. You know, we we managed to get it. Does it feels like it doesn't feel like we've been talking for an hour? But we have. But we have, and we managed not to spoil the film. Great, yeah. I'm kind of proud of us. Um, I'm really, really proud of us because I really want people to 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 watch this movie. Yeah, I do too. And and a friend of mine from college, um, based on just like the post that we did, he he watched it. Um, and I don't, I think, didn't know exactly what he was to expect, and he really really liked it like i think y'all just go watch the dark and the wicked yeah and go watch the dark and the wicked thank you, you know, there's another, for suggesting it yeah thank you so <laughs> much it, it's so refreshing because there is a lot of it's, it's just there's a lot of saturation right now and and so much is being put out and it's like no shade hey listen you and i both know making a movie is hard yeah and and so props to to people who are putting their stuff out there uh I, honestly but you know when there's a lot to, there's a lot out there 
you're going to get a lot of stuff that's like, meh, eh, that's all right. And this was so nice to sit and watch something that is not just like a run-of-the-mill horror movie, but it is straight up a horror film. Like it is a film. Yeah, Um, he is is doing some things. Yeah, he's he's doing things. And I, I, you know, if you you don't know him already, you will know him eventually. And he will be a person that's going to be like, oh man, remember? Yeah. 20s when that dude was making movies. movies. And I, I also think he might be a dude who who only makes a few, like right. um, that he's not going to crank out a movie every year, you know? Right. Um, but when he does, it's going to be something special. Um, you know, it, it reminded me in a way, this movie reminded me of two other movies, and I don't think he's not related to them at all. But one of them does take place in Texas, and it's called The Bleeding House. Okay. And uh, I, I, I think I've I've, I've said you need to watch it. Yes, and I do need to watch it. You do, you do need to watch it because I really, really enjoyed Bleeding House. Um, and we should talk about it at some point. And the other one that it reminds me of, just in terms of tone and feeling, is a movie called We're, We Are Still Here. Oh, yeah, that's a great movie. Um, and that does not take place in Texas. But it, it's, it has this kind of, like, rural vibe. You yeah, know? it does. Um, and, and, and We Are Still Here and, and this, and, and I, I mean this not as, it has a rural vibe, and they seem to be made by people who actually understand it. As opposed yeah. to, um, and look, I, I'm not by any means, I mean, I grew up in cities. I've only lived in cities. I am very much a city boy or a suburban kid. Um, but there are there are rural movies that are so obviously made by people who have no understanding of that. It's like when people who didn't grow up in the 80s um, make 80s movies and everyone wears fucking neon. And right. I clearly have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Um, you know, we get a lot of movies about rural people who are either like everyone's a dumb idiot or everyone's got a heart of fucking gold and it's like no these are actual human fucking beings Uh um we are still here and and this movie the dark and the wicked seem to be made by people who actually understand the people they're making the movie about right i want you to go watch the bleeding house yeah i I will check it out it's it's the same thing um so do you i loved it i loved it so much i loved it so much go watch watch the dark and the wicked it is fucking incredible and if you haven't seen Black Coat's Daughter go watch Black Coat's Daughter go watch um, The Strangers, the Strangers I dare you if you haven't yeah. uh, watch it at night watch it with a loved one <laughs> Yeah. Watch it with, with a romantic partner. Um, so what do you want to watch next? What do you want to talk about next time? We're in December. So do you want to try? And oh, find yeah. something, you want to try and find something Christmassy? Yes, we should definitely start moving towards back towards our holiday, um, our holiday fair. OK, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Or or this was so successful. Podcast Landia. If you have any suggestions. Yes. As to what we should watch for Christmas, please please, please let us know. Uh, message us on our Facebook page. We have an Instagram. Got Go to our website. Um, you can also email us, terrantacos at gmail.com. Um, and um, we will watch it. We'll watch it and we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you don't like it, we'll curse you. Exactly. <laughs> um, we haven't thanked Jim John Make Noise in a long time. Gotta thank Jim John Make Noise. Gotta thank Jim John Make Noise for our music and for production. And, uh, um, yeah, thank you to John Collins and to Maddie and to Holden for just reminding me how much I love.
love doing this shit. Yeah. And um, we're going to up our game. 2021. 2021 is going to be the year. Stay tuned for the trailer of Final Dress that will be out soon, hopefully featuring Maddie and constructed very much by John with, you know, Holden doing a million. With a little bit of help from Holden. Just being handsome. Just being handsome out there. Yeah. That's all you needed to do. Um, all right. I got to go do some shit now. All right. Good luck. I will uh, talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Oh, bye.